Hello and welcome to the Diction Police. I'm your host, Ellen Rissinger, an American vocal coach accompanist on the music staff of the Zemperoper in Dresden, Germany. This week we're concentrating on English diction again with vocal coach Mark Lawson, contralto Rebecca Raphael, and tenor Donald George. Our texts for today are The Roadside Fire and the aria Iris Hence Away from Handel's Semele. We're concentrating on R's, WH's, the crazy spelling of the English language, and the differences between American and British pronunciation. The day I learned the phrase lingua franca was the day that I fully realized what a geek I truly am. I was home waiting for my girlfriends to go out on a Saturday night and hopelessly bored, so I settled in front of the computer playing around on iTunes looking for free stuff when I came across iTunes University. If you've never checked it out, iTunes University is recordings of real university courses, some video, some audio, all totally free. The reason I say that I realized what a geek I was is that that night I clicked on the ancient Greek classes and was so entranced that I wasn't even ready to go out when my friends got there. And one of the things the teacher explained was the phrase lingua franca. It refers to a language that's commonly used to communicate between people who don't share the same mother tongue. Right now, the most obvious example of a lingua franca is English. A German going on holiday in Greece, while many Greeks also speak a little German, will also find English very useful. In rehearsals, I've heard a Danish director speak English with the Russian soprano and the Hungarian tenor. This doesn't make English the only lingua franca, because a lingua franca can also be specific to a region or a group. For example, French was the lingua franca in Europe and Chinese in the Far East for several centuries. The problem with a lingua franca is that because people can communicate and make themselves understood in that language, they also assume that they speak it perfectly and without accent. In one of the Spanish episodes, I had talked about people asking me if, they, if I were really sure about some diction rules. And that happens all the time when I'm coaching foreigners on English diction. To be fair, there are some distinct accents to choose from in English diction. American Standard, British Received Pronunciation, and the Mid-Atlantic Dialect, which is a combination of the two. But more than that, English is a polyglot with crazy and sometimes completely contradictory spelling rules, so often there's no way to know how to pronounce a word unless you really are a native speaker. When I first started this podcast, a Dutch colleague of mine who was instrumental in helping me solidify my concept of the podcast said to me, but there are always hard and fast diction rules. In English, when a word is spelled with two O's, it's always pronounced a certain way. But it's not. <laughs> There's blood, good, and food. So if you're a foreigner learning something in English, make sure to check out all the rules and look up any words that you don't know. Unlike most online dictionaries, both the Webster's Online and Oxford Online English dictionaries contain phonetic transcriptions, sometimes with their own sort of phonetics, so you may have to dig around and find out what they're, what they're referring to. And if you are a native English speaker, it's probably a good idea to double-check the differences between the accents and be very specific in deciding which direction you want to go. I'll include links to the texts for today at the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. Don't forget the the. Our first text for today is The Roadside Fire, a poem by Robert Louis Stevenson, which has been set by many composers, 
including Richard Hundley, Peter Warlock, and Rafe von Williams, as the third song in his cycle, Songs of Travel. Stevenson was a Scottish novelist, poet, and essayist. Although he's been overlooked in the latter part of the 20th century, he's still a bastion of English literature with his novels Treasure Island and The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. The Roadside Fire is the 11th poem in his Songs of Travel and Other Verses, which was published posthumously in 1896. Most of his works are available as free downloads from Project Gutenberg. I will make you brooches and toys for your delight, of birdsong at morning and starshine at night. I will make a palace fit for you and me, of green days in forests and blue days at sea. I will make my kitchen, and you shall keep your room, where white flows the river and bright blows the broom. And you shall wash your linen and keep your body white, in rainfall at morning and dewfall at night. And this shall be for music when no one else is near, the fine song for singing, the rare song to hear, that only I remember, that only you admire, of the broad road that stretches and the roadside fire. That was The Roadside Fire, read by Mark Lawson, and I thought this would be a, a great example of many R's. There are a lot of R's in this baby. <laughs> yeah, we at start... The beginnings, at the ends, and the middles. Exactly, and we have, I mean, after consonants on their own, so I thought we'd sort of just go through this and look at some of the R's. Okay. So, right in the first sentence, we have brooches. Brooches, yep. So... How do you, I mean, how do you approach this? Because, of course, we have our er in English. Yeah, I will, I will make you bro... I mean, yeah, and you can't flip that on. No. Brooches, we can't say that. <laughs> Gosh, I mean, I think you just got, you just kind of got to grin and bear it in that situation. Yeah, looks like. I mean, looks like. Now, then, then, then you have the toys, and I, I, I probably try, did somewhat pronounce it that way in my reading. I did, I mean, to say, for your delight. To go to that, well, go to go to that, basically a schwa sound. Yeah, so we almost like the German ah, uh, that upside down a at the end for. Well, and I, I must admit, I, and I did just work with a couple of uh, a couple of Germans who spoke quite good English, but we were doing we were doing we were singing some English songs that they were going to be recording, and I just so I just said you know I didn't even say schwa for fear they wouldn't understand or for you know I just said say uh for you know for. And, you know, and of course it, it isn't an uh really like that, but that did seem to help them. Because like I said earlier, it gives them a tool that helps them get rid of that rrr. Yes. Which, which only we really seem to be able to do when we speak. Exactly. For your delight of bird song. Exactly. Uh, after so, a vowel like that, in, especially after an I or an O. More like an O umlaut. Uh, for birds, I mean, it sounds still, it sounds, yeah, affected when I speak it. But, I mean, in, in singing, I mean, we, we'd have to. We have to. Bird song mm -hmm. at morning, star shine at night. So the star, no R at all. The no, morning. I, I, think, I think we'd have to. I mean, I mean, unless we were coaching, you know, I want to wash that man right out of my hair. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I mean and, and this is of an English poet. And if your practical situation is that you're doing is in the songs of travel, no, you'd have to, yeah, star shine at night. So really, in that sense, no R with after no, no, the I. I would, I, would just, I would definitely say no Rs. Yeah. And now we have one in the middle of the sentence, forests. Forests, yeah, yeah. And again, yeah, I mean, it's kind of like brooches. 
forests. You, I mean, you you have you have to do it. Yeah. Green, green days in forests and bl blue days at sea. Mm-hmm. Where? Where white? We have our WHs, and of course, if we didn't do our WH there and just said where, that is also a good English word. Yeah. But it, it doesn't fit in this context. It doesn't, you know, obviously, but. Yeah, to wear clothing. Wear clothing, or yeah, but anyway, wear white, and you, yeah, you, you have to do the two times blowing out the candle. Exactly, and that comes up. We have the the opposite situation, wash, but then we have white again at the end of the next. You sure? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you shall wash your your linen and keep your body white. And I wanted to ask you about do fall or do you fall? Yeah, and that probably is my mistake. I mean, it should be. I would say do. It should be do fall. Yeah, and that's you. That's one of those tough things. We have some certain consonants that take a J glide, and some of them are very obvious. Music. Nobody says music. No, no. But do fall is one that people sometimes forget. Sure, and of course, and that has to. That that is. Yeah, I guess that would be a Madeline Marshall. I mean, that has to that has to be, be governed by a rule because where I come from, I would say do. Yes, I think most of us in just sort of general conversation would call it do. Do. But in lyric do. diction, sure. To get uh, that. Uh, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. How about the R at the end of admire and fire? Yeah, I, 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 you would have to go to that uh, which is it's a sort of a bit of an umlaut. Fire. Uh. Yeah. And of course, it, it, it gets no stress, and it has almost no length. But we can't really say, and, and especially if we're working with European singers, yeah, you can't, we couldn't say fire, even if I wanted to say fire. Mm -hmm. And I would say fire, even if they would say fire, we couldn't we couldn't sing that. And again, you, you got to give them a tool to to avoid avoid their errors. Yes, because they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna turn them they're gonna twist them all out of proportion. This is also a great song to talk about some of the different spellings we have. It sure is. We have those double O's. Well, the the, the first double O word is the word <laughs> brooches, which of course we can't pronounce brooches, <laughs> but we have the brooches. We have, and I'm just looking down at the end, we have of the broad road. So we have the a, the O-A that's spelled in the same way, but sounds like two different vowels. Sure. A, which is broad open O almost. Sort of, an, sort of an open O, broad road. Which is that closed O diphthong. Yep. Absolutely. And we also, if we want just double O's, we have room and broom. We sure do. But of, and of course, we have them in the same poem with brooches. Well, in the word linen, we see two vowels that are only divided by one consonant, and yet neither of them are closed. Yes. Neither of those vowels are closed. Yeah, and actually, if you take that second N away, we would see, see the word line. L-I-N-E would, would be line, so it's easy to read that one wrong. Sure. But, Lin that, but that, that, that's, you know, yet again, you know, because we know it, we, we, know, we, we know, know that word, we recognize that word, we're going to pronounce it correctly. But it, you know, it, it, isn't as, it isn't as easy as it seems like it should be. Exactly. Also, and this is also a song that's full of th words. This, that, the, or that, and also that is different than that. Yes. About yeah, and then the, which, as we've also remarked in the course of this afternoon, this, that these are particular yeah, they're landmines often for for, for, for European-born singers. For non-native English speakers, yeah. Right. Not not only the th, just getting that the, the, just putting the tip of your tongue between your front teeth. You know, because otherwise these they come out like de or t. Yeah. And, and of course the uh the. Yeah. And oh yeah, but also that. 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 Very hard for Europeans to pronounce. Yeah. Pronounce.
So we talked a lot about R's in all these positions, of course, from the American Standard pronunciation point of view. I double-checked the rules for R with Madeline Marshall's Singer's Manual of English Diction, and she had three hard and fast rules. No R's before a consonant, ever. Always sing R before a vowel. And, with one exception, never sing an R at the end of a phrase. That no R's before a consonant rule also includes consecutive words like we had in the case of for your delight, and in the middle of words like bird song and starshine. I know we said that with for your, you can drop it off like that German upside-down bright ah for your, but in reality you don't need the R at all. The Y functions as a J-glide, which is a semi-consonant. But when it comes to that third rule, never sing R at the end of a phrase, the book does say, with one exception. That exception is when the R is part of a necessary diphthong or triphthong, like we have with the words admire and fire. In this case, the phonetic transcription that Catherine LaBeouf uses for this triphthong is bright A, open capital I, followed by this really fun schwa with a kind of hook after it, or it could be a schwa with a small lowercase r slightly above it. Notice that we don't sing the American r ever. (laughs) Because this poem is by a Scotsman and composed by an Englishman, we could also consider flipping and rolling some r's. But since we're both Americans, we kind of stick to the American standard right now. In the next piece, we'll talk more about rolling r's. And remember in the opening I said blood, good, and food? Well, now we have brooches to add to the list. (laughs) Brooches, room, and broom. It's also interesting that where I'm from in Pennsylvania, we would say room with an open o sound. But in lyric diction, that's not appropriate. It should be a closed oo, room. WH words always seem to be a question mark for people, and I'm not sure why. The rule is perfectly clear. When a word starts with WH... It's pronounced basically as H-W. There is a difference between wearing clothes and where are you going, and between whether or not you'll do something and how the weather is today. Madeline Marshall devotes an entire chapter to this phenomenon. She calls it the unvoiced version of the W-glide, phonetically transcribing it as H-W. Catherine LaBeouf uses an upside-down W. Whichever transcription you use, it's something for native speakers and foreigners alike to pay attention to because, as we said, in casual speech, we rarely make the difference in these two sounds. Our second text today is the aria Iris Hence Away, starting with Juno's accompagnato recitative before that, Awake Saturnia from Thy Lethargy. It comes from an oratorio by George Friedrich Händel, written in 1744. It's funny, the Wikipedia page calls it an opera or oratorio, and goes on to explain that while Handel wrote it as an opera, it was first performed as an oratorio during Lenten time. Although audiences were upset by its non-biblical theme, since the storyline is based on Greek myths, and opera lovers were upset that it was in English and not Italian. In my opera history classes at CCM, We were expected to do detailed analyses of operas three times a semester, and I chose Semele for the first one, and ended up having to do the whole paper over with another work. My teacher wouldn't even read it. She just wrote on the top, not an opera. So I'm sticking with the oratorio title. 
Awake, Saturnia, from thy lethargy. Seize, destroy the cursed Semele. Scale proud Cithron's top, snatch her, tear in thy fury, and down to the flood of Acheron let her fall. Rolling down the depths of night, never more to behold the light. If I, the imperial scepter sway, I swear by hell, tremble, tremble thy universe this oath to hear, not one of cursed Agina's race to spare. Hence, hence, Iris, hence away, Iris, hence away, 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 far from the realms of day, far from the realms of day. O'er Scythian hills to the Maeotian lake a speedy flight will take. There Somnus I'll compel his downy bed to leave and silent cell. With noise and light, with noise and light, I will his peace molest nor shall he sink again to pleasing rest, till to my vowed revenge he grants supplies and seals with sleep the wakeful dragon's eyes. That was Rebecca... Oh, my God, I just rolled the R. That was... Her... Rebecca Raffel. Rebecca Raffel. Which is very fitting. <laughs> Rebecca Raffel reading Iris Hence Away. And actually, Hi. as we were doing this, the THs are probably the biggest thing that really popped out to my ears as you were speaking the text. So I thought we'd start with that. Right in the beginning, the very first line. Thy. And right after lethargy. that. Exactly. So we have voiced and unvoiced. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I mean there are there are words where the th starts the word and it's unvoiced, which I think is. Yeah. And in this case, if you if you would, didn't say this as a, a voiced thigh, you would have a thigh. You would have a thigh. <laughs> yes, which, which is, is probably the, not definitely the wrong word. Yes, <laughs> from thigh lethargy. Got you. Yep, thigh lethargy. And the reason I really wanted to point this out is because later on in the piece we have the word with, which is an American. We tend to say with. W-I-T-H. And you we say, say with. Yeah. So you voice the T-H of the with. Mm -hmm. With. And you say with. I've never heard anyone say with. <laughs> in the singing, in a, in a song context, I mean. Yeah. Or in a singing context at all. Yeah. And seals with sleep. I think all British people would say with. Yeah. Without any doubt. But as opposed to that, we get oath. O-A-T-H. Oath and with. So that, but that one is unvoiced. Yes, oath is unvoiced. I thought we could talk a little bit about the crazy spelling that makes up the English language. Because we found a couple of ways to spell the sound of the closed e. lowercase phonetic I, which is mm -hmm. the sound E. So right in the beginning, the second line of the rest that we get... Seas. Which is S-E-I-Z-E. And then or later Z, on, as we would say, in the oh Z, that's right, S E I Z E. Okay. And then we have somewhere later on, seals to seal also. Yeah, the S -E -A -L. same sound but E A. Yeah, so I E I and E A so far, and then we get sleep or sleeps, which is double E. Exactly. Also the same sound. E. Yeah. So we get this this long this long closed E sound and this E the one that we see a lot I think is the E A because we get that all over this piece. Peace seals here leave. Yeah, and as I say peace, even that's the E I yeah. spelling of the word peace. peace. But the one thing I wanted to point out with that, we just said we get this with E A all the time, as we said with peace and here and all of those. But then we have the word right in the beginning of the aria proper 
isn't it? Yes, yes. the R -E -A. far from the realms of day. So suddenly the E-A is no longer a closed E sound, it's an open E. It is, and there is no rule for that. I as think far as we know. As far as we know. <laughs> And realms, also with EA, but uh, not realms, <laughs> but realms. In this little sentence, the far from the realms of day, I'm saying this with my American accent, how much of these R's would you say? Far is not pronounced. No no R at all again. No R really, it's just far. Mm -hmm. <laughs> far from, from is definitely a little roll. A little uh, flippy thing. Otherwise it would just sound like from. <laughs> and that's not that's not a word. Uh, the realms, it's so you can hear it because if you say realm, it's very far back in the throat. Mm -hmm. I think for singing, you need to pronounce it like the rolling it makes it also very clear what yeah. you're saying. So realms yeah, are definitely always rolled. And like I say, otherwise it just disappears and be like far from, far from the realms. I don't know realms. Wouldn't wouldn't it? it yeah, wouldn't. realms. Realms. It would sound very American at that point. Well, yeah, but also you're losing the word, and it's not very clear. Yeah. It's much more precise. And we also, we had noticed in the recitative that we find the word... Cursed. Cursed. Exactly. So there well, we have an R. Again, an R twice, that wasn't... Yeah, so it, comes to, it comes twice. So this here we have an R, and the R still isn't pronounced, right? No. Cursed. It cursed. really gets taken into yes, the vowel. It affects the vowel. Yeah, you're right, because it's not cursed. It's cursed, and on a single note it would be cursed. No, it's not pronounced. Okay, that's interesting now. You say this, the, the single note and the double note. Here we have two notes for this, and this is sort of normal in this time period. Yes, cursed, it's just, it's just spread it, but uh, you wouldn't speak it like that. No. You would say the cursed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And But later on he does have the cursed. With the T that I Yes, exactly, that he spells with the T. So that's how we know in this case with the cursed... What's his name? Agino. Oh, okay. Yeah, we need and to go through the names of this piece too. I know that too. is by asking early music specialists and or handle specialists. Oh yeah. For the name, <laughs> because I also don't know Agino and also the Acheron and Scythian and and also Saturnium. That's 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 quite simple. This yeah. is also a difficult one. Sem it's semile. And a lot of English people want to say semele, obviously. Right, of course. So semele. It's semele. The, the, it's the piece of semele, not semele. Exactly, <laughs> semele. Okay, you mentioned the name Scythian. Scythian, yes. And we also have... Scepter. Both of which start with an SC, followed by a vowel. That is true. But right at the beginning, sort of the third line of the recitative, we have an SC that actually is pronounced... It's a scale, you mean? Yeah, so it's pronounced like a K in that sense. Yes, that's correct. Scythian and scepter, that's true. Yeah. So scale and scepter, yes, both C, uh, SC, but one with a, where the C is pronounced as a K. And the other one, scepter, is, the C is almost not there, isn't no, it? No, it's not at all. It's just yeah. an S. It's just a single S, too. S it's not even exactly. doubled. No. Actually, as we're looking through this, I found another EA that doesn't follow our piece seals here and leaves. Tear. But also EA. Yep. T-E-A-R. the EA is much more pronounced. It's it? an A. It's actually it's a, an A. Tear. Tear. And there again, you can hear how that R drops off instead of being a tear. Yes. It's, again, would be too fun. In fact, the tear, you don't sing the R. No. And actually, while you're there, I'm going to, at some point, I'm going to have a whole podcast on this liquid you sort of fury, rule. Fury. 
The fury, definitely. And that word, I don't think in American or in British English anybody would say that fury. I don't think anybody would say furry because it would yeah. sound too much like furry. Furry, but that would be the double R exactly. in English. Exactly, yeah. So it's an yeah. F followed by a J glide to a U, fury. Fury. I know one other thing we need to talk about. The first syllable of words like awake, away, again. So how do you say them in British English too? Awake, away. Again. So it's not an air. No. Oh, it's quite common, especially with, I think with the Germans speaking English, is the air. Awake, away, again. It's not correct. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't exist for us. It's really an no, it It's really a schwa sound. I think the air doesn't really exist. And that sound actually will rhyme with a lot of words that, that aren't even spelled the same. The. From. Of. Ooh, now that's a big difference because you, you mean, say of and I say of. Of. Yeah. So the and of, of for us are the same sound. Yes. From the of. Interesting. You say of. of. I say of. The, the of. The. Of the. Of. Yeah. Of the. But saying that, I have heard the way you said also in England. So mm -hmm. whether that's my, my dialect that I've picked up over the several countries I've in English yeah. I do not know <laughs> I know it also it does get hard after a couple of languages to it does keep indeed. things straight especially when you move around a lot yeah also in the English-speaking countries so. in the roadside fire Mark and I talked about those voiced th's that then the and at the beginning of the interview with Rebecca we saw another example of why knowing your voiced th's is very important in this case if you don't recognize the word thy and accidentally unvoice it to thigh, you end up talking about a part of your leg as opposed to an archaic word for your. And I'm so glad to hear Rebecca say the word with with a voiced th. While I may say with, I will always coach it voiced to with, partly because it sounds better, but mostly because it sings better. Madeline Marshall even includes an entire topic just on this word, and she too advocates voicing the TH, because otherwise the word with draws too much attention, and it's generally an unimportant word. So, in case you didn't catch all those fun spellings of the closed lowercase i sound, seize, S-E-I-Z-E, -E, seal, S-E-A-L, and sleeps, S-L-E-E-P-S, are all different ways to spell that closed E. But the spelling E-A can also be pronounced tear, T-E-A-R, or as an open E, as in realms, R-E-A-L-M-S. To make life even more complicated with the word T-E-A-R, you need to make sure whether the meaning is to rip something, which would be pronounced tear, or the water coming from your eyes, which is a tear, spelled the same way. Unless the Auslanders think that it's only their problem, it happens often enough that English speakers sight-reading a piece don't realize that they're mispronouncing a word until halfway through it. It's something for all of us to remember and keep an eye out for. You must have noticed that Rebecca was much more ready to roll and flip R's here. In British music from the Baroque and Classical eras especially, most of us are much more likely to roll and flip those R's. But did you notice? She still wouldn't have said the R in far, as in far from the realms of day. Again, we go back to that first rule of R's, no R's before consonants. In British received pronunciation, 
We are supposed to roll R's at the beginning of important stressed words, so realms is completely fair game for a rolled R. In a word like cursed or cursed, again, because of the following consonant, there's no R. Instead, just like Mark said in birdsong, the R gets taken into the vowel, making it very similar to the mixed vowel like an O umlaut. The phonetic symbol for it is either this fun backwards epsilon with a hook in the middle, or that schwa with a hook in the middle for an unstressed syllable. I just think of the mixed vowel OE rather than trying to memorize another phonetic letter. But whatever you use, remember, again, there are no R's. Scale, scepter, and Scythian. Is there a rule with the E, I, and Y after SC? I honestly don't know. But after a quick glance through dictionary entries, I'll go out on a limb and suggest that it probably follows the same basic rules as Italian and Spanish. If the SC is followed by any version of E and I, which includes the letter Y, it's probably a phonetic S. If it's followed by A, O, or U, it's probably SK. Some examples of all of these combinations are seen, scent, and science, but scale, scold, and sculpt. Also, if a word starts with SCH, it seems to be phonetically SK, as in scheme and school. Or if it's followed by another consonant, it's also SK, as in scream or script. Donald George has enjoyed a long career as a lyric tenor throughout Europe and is currently dividing his time between performing and teaching at the Crane School of Music in Potsdam, New York. With a long list of recordings to his credit, his most recent CD is the first of a two-volume series featuring the songs of Margaret Ruthven Lang, Love is Everywhere, together with pianist Lucy Mauro. So as a, an, American sing, an American, what kind of things do you do differently between singing in British English and singing in American English? The main thing is consonants. British English uses consonants clearer and more crisply than we do. So if I sing an American piece, for example, if you do Sondheim, uh, Joanna, or something like that, I would make the vowels less crisp. We often say we Americans mumble a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> In a way, we're more Italian. We, it's like a Spanish Spanish and Mexican Spanish. It's a little bit smoother. It's a little bit not as clean. Mm -hmm. uh, so British English... For example, here I stand, for example, in the Stravinsky mm -hmm. piece. Uh, here I stand. I would make sure every single consonant would be pronounced. But then if I were doing an American piece, um, for example, feel you, Joanna. So I wouldn't do I feel you, Joanna. I would do I feel you, Joanna. I would do it smoother, more softly, mm -hmm. because that's the way we speak in English. Mm -hmm. uh, American English, that is. <laughs> <laughs> and I come from the South, where we kind of make the consonants very, very smooth, and we actually add vowels yep. and diphthongs. We add shadow dip vowels and lots of diphthongs. Lots of, lots of shadow vowels, and uh, everything is very smooth. Whereas in British English, the vowel sounds are pretty exact, very similar to German in a way, mm -hmm. and the diphthongs are rather exact uh, in in the language. 
Do you do anything differently then with vowels? Are there any vowels that are maybe like the O, the open O, is that any different? I mean, would you sing the same not, not or not? Not, yes. I would, um, what I often do is I work with someone British and try to get the vowel sounds a little more British sounding mm -hmm. uh, as much as I can. I mean, I'm not British speaking, but in singing, uh, you, you should do it and rather than not. Mm -hmm. Not, not, so it's a little bit more closed. Yeah, a little rounder somehow there. Yes, exactly. And I would probably roll my R's uh, where um, a British person would roll them, mm -hmm. which is not in all cases, but uh, they roll the R where we don't. Yes. An American does not roll the R except after TH maybe, like three, thrust, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. thrush and so on. It's about the only time we roll them, but the uh, British would roll it more in, in, in their language, it's more correct. So yeah. you can really hear the r sound. Yeah. In talking about some of the specific differences between American and British diction, we use the example not versus not. This vowel in British received pronunciation is transcribed as an upside-down dark ah, not to be confused with the upside-down bright ah from the German or the open o sound that we seem to talk about a lot. And we heard Rebecca use it in the word of. And although I didn't realize it at the time, in the word from. This sound happens in words like from, long, of, want, and was. And I'm hoping that my British accent is passable there. <laughs> and the real problem for all of us is that these are such common words that we don't think about them. It's difficult to be aware of every single sound that we make. And these unimportant words are the ones that we unconsciously give away our accent with. Just like those voiced and unvoiced THs and the first syllables of words like away and again. So our job is really to be conscious of every sound for a while, or for a while, <laughs> when we're first learning a piece. In the same way that I advocate practicing Italian very slowly to be sure that we aren't making those accidental doubled consonants or rolling all the R's, we need to make the conscious decision which dialect we're using in English and become aware of every sound until it becomes second nature. It's not just the big important words, it's those little words. Just as we say with money, take care of the pennies and the pounds will take care of themselves. So watch out for the little unimportant words and the rest of it will fall into place. And that's our show for today. To find out more about Mark Lawson, Rebecca Raffel, or Donald George, or if you have any questions or comments for me, Ellen Rissinger, please visit the blog at www.thedictionpolice.com. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please go to iTunes and give it a high rating so that others can find it and benefit from it. Thanks for listening. See you next week.